Chapter Nine of In the Footprints of the Padres by Charles Warren Stoddard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: An Affair of the Misty City. One: What the Moon Shone On. She was a smallish moon, looking very chaste and chilly, and she peered vaguely through folds of scurrying fog she shone upon a silent street that ran up a moderate hill between far-scattered corporation gas-pumps a street that having reached the hilltop seemed to saunter leisurely across a height which had once been the most aristocratic quarter of the misty city the quarter was still pathetically respectable and for three squares at least its handsome residences stared destiny in the face and stood in the midst of flower-bordered lawns unmindful of decay its fountains no longer played even its once pampered children had grown up and the young of the present generation were of a different caste but the street seemed not to heed these changes indeed it was growing a little careless of itself and needed replanking was it a realization of this fact i wonder that caused it on a sudden to run violently down a steep place into the bay as if it were possessed of devils well it might be for the human scum of the town gathered about the base of the hill and the nights there were unutterably iniquitous oh that pale watcher the moon she shone on a rude stairway leading up to the bare face of a cliff that topped the hill and five-and-forty uncertain steps that had more than once slid down into the street below along with the wreckage of the winter rains for the cliff was of rock and clay and though the rock may stand until the crack of doom the clay mingles with the elements and an annual mud pudding tons in weight was deposited on the pavement of the high street to the joy of the juveniles and the grief of the belated pedestrians the cliff towering at the junction of the two thoroughfares shared with each its generous mud flow and half of it descended in lava-like cascades into the depths of a ravine that crossed the high street at right angles passing under a bridge still celebrated as a triumph of architectural ungainliness she shone my lady moon into that deep ravine which was half filled with shadow and made a weird picture of the place it seemed like the bed of some dark noiseless river the source of which was still undiscovered and as for its mouth no one would ever find it or finding tell of it for the few who trusted themselves to its voiceless and invisible current were heard of no more sometimes a sharp cry for help pierced the midnight silence and it was known upon the hill that murder was being done down under that was all yet day by day the great tide of traffic poured through this subterranean passage with muffled roar as of a distant sea she shone on all that was left of a once beautiful and imposing mansion it crowned the very brow of the hill it proudly overlooked all the neighbors it was a gothic ruin girded about with a mantle of ivy and dense creepers yet not all of the perennial leafage that clothed it even to the eaves could disguise the fact that the major portion of the mansion had been raised to the ground lest it should topple and go crashing into that gulf below there once upon a time in a gothic garden shaded by slender cypresses walked the golden youth of the land there feminine lunch parties pink teas 
highly exclusive musicales and fashionable hops flourished mightily now the former side door served as the front entrance to all that was left of the mansion the stone that was rejected had become the headstone of the corner as it were it was an abrupt corner to be sure with the upper half of its narrow door filled with small panes of glass its modest threshold was somewhat worn but upon the platform before it a large egg-shaped jar of unmistakable chinese origin encased the roots of a flowing cactus that might have added a grace to the proudest palace in the misty city this was the modest portal of the eerie ivy vines sheltered it like a dense thatch ivy vines clung fast to a deep bay window that nearly filled one side of the library of the old mansion now a living-room ivy vines curtained the glazed wall of a conservatory where someone slept as in a bower a weird dwelling-place was this the moon shone upon where pigeons nested and cooed at intervals in all the green nooks thereof she shone on the tall slim panes of glass in the bay window till they shimmered like ice and brightened the carpet on the floor of the room a carpet that was faded and frayed she threw a soft glow upon the three walls beyond the window where were low convenient shelves of books there were books books and books everywhere books of all descriptions neither creed nor caution limited their range many pictures and sketches in oil or watercolour some of them unframed were upon the walls above the bookshelves there were bronze statuettes graceful figures of lute strumming troubadours upon the old-fashioned marble mantel there were busts and medallions in plaster and a few casts after the antique heaped in corners and upon the tops of the bookshelves lay bric-a-brac in hopeless confusion toy canoes from kamchatka and the southern seas wooden masks from the burial places of the alaskan indians and the theban tombs of the nile kings rude fish-hooks that had been dropped in the coral seas shark's teeth and the strong beak of an albatross whose webbed feet were tobacco-pouches and whose hollow wing-bones were the long-jointed stem of a pipe spears and war-clubs were there brought from the gleaming shores of reef-girdled islands a florentine lamp a roll of papyrus an idol from easter island the eyes of which were two missionary shirt-buttons of mother-of-pearl of the puritan type your practical cannibal having eaten his missionary spits out the shirt-buttons to be used as the eyes which see not carved gourds were there and calabashes mexican pottery and some of the latest pompeian antiquities such as are miraculously discovered in the presence of the amazed and delighted tourist who secretly purchases the same for considerably more than a song there were pious objects many of them resembling the ex votos in a shrine an ebony and bronzed indulgenced crucifix with a history and sacred hearts done in scarlet satin with flames of shining tinsel flickering from their tops there were vines creeping everywhere within the room from jars that stood on brackets and made hanging gardens of themselves creepers yards in length that sprung from the mouths of water-pots hidden behind objects of interest and these framed the pictures in living green 
a huge wide-mouthed vase stood in the bay window filled with a great pulu fern still nourished by its native soil a veritable tropical island this now basking in the moonlight far from its native clime japanese and chinese lanterns were there and an ostrich egg brought from nubia that hung like an alabaster lamp lit by a moonbeam and fans of course but quaint barbaric ones from the orient and the equatorial isles and framed and unframed photographs of celebrities each bearing an original autograph and easy chairs nothing but the easiest chairs from the very far-reaching one with the long arms like a pair of oars over which one throws his slippered feet and lolls in his pyjamas in memory of an east indian season of exile to the deep nest-like sleepy hollow quite big enough for two in which one dozes and dreams and out of which it is so difficult for one to rise over all this picturesque confusion grinned a fleshless human skull with its eye sockets and yawning jaws stuffed full of faded boutonnieres the moon shone but paler now for it was growing late on a closed coop that rolled rapidly from the clubhouse in the early morning after a high jinks night and clattered through the streets accompanied by the matutinal milk-wagon with their frequent intermittent pauses thus it rolled and rolled over the resounding pavement toward that house on the hilltop the eyrie the vehicle zigzagged up the steep grade and stopped at the foot of the long stairway someone alighted and exchanged a friendly word or two with the driver for in that lonely part of the town it was pleasant to hear the sound of one's own voice even if one was guiltily conscious of making conversation then with a cheerful good-night this someone climbed the steps while the vehicle hurried away with its jumble of hoofs and wheels a key was heard at the outer door the door sagged a little in common with everything about the house and a tenant passed into the eyrie enter paul clitheroe soul's iron of that melancholy house whose foundations had sunk under him and left him at the age of five-and-twenty master of himself but slave to fortune in the dim light he closed and fastened the outer door from a hall scarcely large enough for two people to pass in he entered the inner room with the confident step of a familiar having deposited hat cane and ulster in their respective places there was a place for everything or it would have been quite impossible to abide in that snuggery he sank into one of the easy chairs rolled a cigarette with meditative deliberation lighted it and blew the smoke into the moonlight where it assumed a thousand fantastic forms the silence of the room seemed emphasized by the presence of its occupant he was one who under no circumstances was likely to disturb the serenity of a house in most cases a single room takes on the character of the one who inhabits it this is invariably the case where the apartment is in the possession of a woman but turn a man loose in a room and leave him to himself for a season and he will have made of that room a witness strong enough to condemn or condone him on the last day the whole character of the place will gradually change until it has become an index to the man's nature where this is not the case the man is without noticeable characteristics those who knew paul clitheroe the solitary at the eyrie 
would at once recognize this room as his abode those of his friends who saw this room for the first time without knowing it to be his home would say oh, paul clitheroe would fit in here a kind of harmonious incongruity was the chief characteristic of the man and his solitary lodging he sat for some time as silent as the inanimate objects in that singularly silent room an occasional turn of the wrist the momentary flash of the ash at the end of his cigarette the smoke wreath floating in space those were all that gave assurances of life for when this solitary returned into his well-chosen solitude he seemed to shed all that was of the earth earthy and to become a kind of spectre in a dream having finished his cigarette paul withdrew into the conservatory his sleeping-room half doll's house and half bower where the ivy had crept over the top of the casement and covered his ceiling with a web of leaves shortly he was reposing upon his pillow over which his holy water font a large crimson heart of crystal with flames of burnished gold set upon a tablet of white marble seemed almost to pulsate in the exquisite half-lights of approaching dawn it may not have been manly or even masculine for him thus literally to curtain his sleep like a fawn with ivy it may not have been orthodox for him to admit to his valhalla some of the false gods and to honour them after a fashion the one true god was duly adored and all his saints appealed to in filial faith that was his nature and past changing if he could not look upon god as a jealous god visiting his judgments with fanatical justice upon the witted and half-witted it was because his was a nature which had never been warped by the various social moral and religious influences brought to bear upon it he may have lacked judgment in the eyes of the world but he had never suffered seriously in consequence it may not have been wise for him to fondly nourish tastes and tendencies that were usually quite beyond his means but he did it and doing it afforded him the greatest pleasure in life you will pardon him all this every one did sooner or later even those who discountenance similar weaknesses or affectations or whatever you are pleased to call them in any one else soon found an excuse for overlooking them in his case he was not thank heaven all things to all men all things to a few he may have been yea even more than all else to some so long as the spell lasted to the majority however he was probably nothing and less than nothing and what of that if he did little good in the world he certainly did less evil and as he lay in his bed under a white counterpane upon which the dawning light sifting through the vines that curtained the glazed front of his sleeping-room fell in a mottled japanese pattern and while the ivy that covered the gothic ceiling trailed long tendrils of the palest and most delicate green each leaf glossed as if it had been varnished this unheroic hero this pantheistic devotee this heathenized christian this half-happy-go-lucky aesthetic bohemian lay upon his pillow the incarnation of absolute repose and so the morning broke and the early birds began to chirp in the ivy and to prune their plumage and flutter among the leaves and down the street tramped the feet of the toilers on their way to forge and dock 
over the harbor came the daffodil light from the sun-tipped eastern hills and it painted the waves that lapped the sleek sides of a yacht lying at anchor under the hill a yacht that paul had watched many a day and dreamed of many a night for he often longed with a great longing to slip cable and hie away even unto the uttermost parts End of chapter nine part one